0: become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult.
1: Welcome to Entertainment Business Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Kaya Alexander, the host of Entertainment Business Wisdom, our special guest today is so close to my heart. I'm so excited to tell you about him. He's a renaissance man, fellow Scorpio, like me, and fairy god stylist. He's a champion equestrian. He worked for Ralph Lauren for many years before starring in the Emmy-winning show Queer Eye. Oh, gee, Queer Eye. Also actor, host, and judge of RuPaul's Drag Race. And he's an author. Carson, I loved your book. Does this book
1: make my book? Look big. Welcome Carson Cressley Thank you so much and thank you for having the book. That's great. I hope you enjoy it love your
0: book I love your book Thank you thank you I, I made discoveries in your book. Um, we both shop the children's section at various stores because <laughs> I'm a yeah, very person. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't have to feel guilty about this anymore. <laughs> Carson. No,
1: that's one of my secret weapons. It's getting harder because I'm slowly <laughs> moving out of the boys extra, extra large, but um, it still works in a pinch. And it's a great little tip. Um, if you can do it, it's a great way to save money.
0: It is. It is. I love that learning about, about you that you shop intelligently about getting those deals. And I felt like that was so relatable because when I see you on TV, you're always so glamorous and wearing your Tom Ford suits and everything. And then I was like, oh my God, he goes, he shops the way that we do.
1: Aww. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. I love to shop um, and I love the thrill of the hunt and I'm a total maximista, and I'm not their spokesperson, but um I love an outlet mall. I love a bargain. And then I'll also, you know, I'll also... Uh, I think it was uh, Frank Lloyd Wright who said he would gladly forego the necessities to afford the luxuries. And I do that. Like, I, you know, I buy cheap underwear at TJ Maxx so I can buy a Tom Ford jacket at the outlet, of course, um, because I am on cable. I am not loaded. Um, (laughs) So um, I try to be thrifty when I can so I can um, spend money on more fun things.
0: Love that. Yeah. It's like, I have the simplest of tastes. I only prefer the best. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you've done so much. I'm curious to hear from you, what you're the most proud of.
1: Oh gosh. Um, uh, career wise. I mean, I think, um, well, I'm proud of a couple different things. I mean, I loved my time at Ralph Lauren and, um, I worked there, um, it's been over 20 years ago, which is so weird. Like, I still feel like I'm like 16 and I still think like, Oh my God, I have a car. I can go to the mall. I have a credit card. Like that's always like, I wake up and I'm like, I can do whatever I want. Kind of, which is shocking to me. But now that I am older, now I'm saying things like I worked at Ralph Lauren 25 years ago. And I recently had like a holiday lunch with my old boss who was fantastic. And, um, Uh, I just was telling her, you know, that was such a valuable experience for me, um, for my career working at Ralph Lauren. And I'm very proud of the work I did there. We did amazing ads and some of them are still like in the stores today. Like, you know, some, you know, gorgeous kid holding a stack of polo shirts, you know, for father's day, they still use some of the images that we created 25 years ago, um, in their stores and in different ads. So, so unusual. That's amazing. Yeah, very proud of that work. I loved it there and I learned so much. It was like the best uh, entrepreneurship school, the best taste school. Um, You know, I learned about urgency because fashion, you know, in that business is all about, you know, what's new, what's next, keep it moving. Um, I learned about details that helped me so much in showbiz, doing makeover shows, especially, you know, we would style somebody and they'd say, that's good, it's only for camera. I'm like, no, no, no. It's got to be perfect and they've got to feel that it's perfect or else we're not going to like achieve our purpose and that's going to show on camera. So uh, very proud of working at Ralph Lauren, learned so much there. And then uh, in showbiz, I mean, there are a couple of shows. I mean, Queer Eye obviously was a huge um, career maker. It was the first TV show I ever did. I had no idea I even was going to work in TV and, um, the most important thing about that is not winning an emmy which i am shocked i have one i you know i felt guilty because like susan lucci was trying for like 15 years and then i got one right out of the gate and i was like sorry um but um what i'm most proud of is that um that show was a dialogue starter uh in so many different communities, and especially, you know, I'll, I'll still be traveling, I'll be in an airport or on a plane, and, you know, maybe the flight attendant's like 30, and he's like, oh my gosh, I watched your show, and I was 15, and I was able to have a conversation about my being gay with my family, and it made it so much easier uh, because of your show. And I was like, that always gives me goosebumps and makes me very, very proud. So that's the most important thing. And then, fast forward 20 years later, um, I get to work on RuPaul's Drag Race, which you know was the little show that could and started out very small. And um now it's a global platform. And I think the most winningest show, uh, reality show of Emmys in the history of television, which is like unbelievable. And um, but again, the most important thing about that show is that all over the world, in you know, uh in zaire and uh new brunswick and uh finland and uh uh, bolivia young people can see usually marginalized people being celebrated and saying oh my gosh you're an artist you're amazing tell us your story we want to shine a light on you uh we want you to be successful and that platform rupaul's drag race i'm very proud of because it does allow kids all over the world Uh, to perhaps see themselves on TV um, and feel included and feel empowered and um, feel like they can just be themselves, which is um, the best thing in the world. So very proud of those three things and, and lots of other ones, too.
0: I love that. I love what you said about, you know, being able to see yourself on TV, especially from a marginalized community, what that does. I'm bi and queer, and we don't even see a lot of characters on TV. But when we do, there's just an echo for me in my heart of, oh my God. Right. You know, and it's just very powerful. And it like goes past anything intellectual at that level. It just goes straight to the heart. It's really beautiful.
1: Yeah. And it's so important. And, and, and I think, you know, we're slowly getting there um, with visibility. In making sure that, you know, people can see themselves in media, it's so important.
0: So important. Tell me the story of how you got the job at Ralph Lauren.
1: Oh, how I got the job at Ralph Lauren was, um, uh, I um, had a job, I first, you know, I went to Gettysburg College, I loved it. I moved to New York City, like the day after graduation in 1991, and I had a job working for a nonprofit which was great and it was a good job and i thought i was you know i thought i was making a fortune but um then i you know figured you know i I found out how much rent was in new york city and i was like i have no extra money so after doing that for about three years i was like i would love to have money for food and shoes is that possible (laughs) um hashtag life goals you know (laughs) right so i started looking and um i know this is a business centered podcast as well And um, this is not what you should do, probably. But um, I had a liberal arts degree, so I was good at communicating and good at writing, and I was organized. And uh, but I didn't really have a whole bunch of, you know, I couldn't go be a dental hygienist or a lawyer. I didn't have any real solid, you know, skills. Um, So I made a list of places I would like to work based on just because they sounded cool, and I thought they had a great corporate culture. And they sounded exciting, and they were based in New York City. And most of them, I'd be walking around, and I was like, oh, MGM has an office here? I should work there. Or Disney, which I thought was a great company. Uh, Calvin Klein was very hot in the 90s, so I was like, I could work there. Um, And Ralph Lauren had always been on my radar. I always loved the brand, um, their branding, their storytelling, um, the lifestyle. It was just, you know, I'm an 80s kid so growing up, I mean, my first suit was polo from Bambergers in Allentown. So I always, you know, found them to be the pinnacle of what I thought was chic. So they made my list and, uh, I started sending some resumes out, but one day, and this is the power of serendipity. Um, I was at the gym and I didn't really even go there to work out. I went there to like meet guys and, um, I had a cute outfit on. I had black watch plaid track pants and I had a gray sweatshirt with a teddy bear wearing black watch plaid clothing holding a black watch plaid basketball. And then I was also holding the black watch plaid basketball <laughs> that you got from buying $75 or more of fragrance at Bloomingdale's. And I had my whole getup like a lunatic. And, you're um, crazy. And, I, and I was I was well, I was at the front desk chit-chatting. Okay. Yeah. And then somebody came in and she said, oh, my gosh, who are you? Um, You're like, you know, you're so Ralph Lauren, you should work there. And I was like, oh, I should. And she said, I'm a headhunter. I work with them. Um, We should get you in there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is my Lana Turner at Schwab's Drugstore soda fountain counter moment. And I said, sure. And I went in and I remember the woman who interviewed me. Her name was Christian Dubuque. And uh, I had a very cute Ralph Laureny outfit on because I owned a lot of that merchandise. And um, she's like, wow, you really seem to get it. I said, yeah, I understand that it's, you know, it's merchantainment. It's like, you know, of course we're selling things, but we're also like selling a lifestyle and telling a story and um, entertaining people. Um, So I think she liked the word merchantainment. She's like, okay, you're um, pretty sassy. (laughs) <laughs> and uh i got a job being um jerry lawrence's assistant and he was ralph lauren's is ralph lawrence's brother and he ran the men's company still works there he's 86 um i saw him a couple like a year or two ago and um uh it was great it was like the devil wears prada i had to do everything like you know I had to go buy sardine sandwiches and go buy shampoo and ride around in a black town car and go different places. I thought it was great. And everyone was really nice and very preppy. And then, um, I got to work with Ralph and he'd be like, Oh, I love what you're wearing. And I was like, Oh my God, Ralph Lauren likes what I'm wearing. And then I just worked my way up. Um, and being an assistant to somebody who's very high up in the company, was great because i got to interface with so many parts of the business and i didn't really know how a giant fashion global fashion brand worked and um the licensee system so i got to meet the people that made the eyewear and the people that made the shoes these were all different companies that licensed the ralph lauren name but needed their approval so i would you know schedule time for all these different people to meet with jerry or ralph and um review socks and uh golf and tennis and uh purple label and men's sportswear and home collection. Um so I really got a great education and I did that for a couple of years and then I was like Jerry I'd really love to work in design and he's like absolutely so then I started in golf and tennis and I worked into men's sportswear and then I eventually started doing um all of their advertising, their cooperative advertising, which is uh, back in the day when there were lots of department stores, and I don't know, where are you from? What's your hometown? Where, where'd you grow
0: up? I grew up in Pacific Palisades, which is like the oh. suburb of LA. Back when right. it was still a little mom and pop community and I had horses right. in
1: and stuff like that. Oh my God, amazing. Yeah. Well, your store would have been Robinson's May. Oh, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, in Santa Monica. Yeah. Yeah. And I would go there and I'd work with Robinson's. And if you lived in uh, Florida, I would work with Burdine's. And if you were in uh, Boston, it was Foley's. There were so many independent stores. I did all of their Ralph Lauren based advertising. So I got to travel and it was great. I got to work with a lot of cute models and um, it was a really good job. And that's um, what led to Queer Eye eventually.
0: You love learning. And that's what I'm hearing here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm just um, I'm very game for new experiences and um, taking a bit of a risk and um, uh, enjoying the ride, so to speak. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSC. Was there,
0: because you're also really creative, was there a time for you when you started to feel like, oh, I could also be express my creativity here? Did that come early for you or did you grow into that?
1: I definitely grew into that, and I think sometimes when you work um, for a big established brand like Ralph Lauren, there's such an aesthetic that's already established. Um, When you're a newbie and you're like 22 years old, you're like, "Well, I'm not gonna, you know, tell them how to do anything." Um, So you're. I I felt like I was a little bit. I don't want to say stifled because no one put that on me, but I felt shy about expressing my creativity. But then when I got to work in design and Even more so in advertising and creating these beautiful images, um, that's where I got to really shine, and I loved um, going on location and picking the spot and uh, selecting the models and choosing the merchandise. Of course, with you know Ralph and everyone's blessing, and making that kind of um, inanimate thing, whether it was a shirt or a sweater or a jacket or a whole look, um, come to life and tell a gorgeous story. And you know, it was back in the days of film and. We had Polaroids, like official, like not uh, regular Polaroids, but like photographers would set the shot up and then take a picture with their very professional Polaroid. And it was like a long skinny and we would shake it and be like, "Okay, this is it. The lighting is good. And then we would actually shoot on film, which seems so insane and so archaic. Uh, But I swear it was only about 25 years ago.
0: That's amazing. I know the kids today, they don't even know how to load those cameras. (laughs) No, no. Um, So as we talk about like your journey through business, you've been working a long time. You clearly have a strong work ethic. You work a lot. What advice would you give your younger self from all that you've learned now?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, Don't wear those parachute pants. Um, That's the first tidbit. I think I would, um, I would probably tell my younger self to relax a little bit and exhale. And, uh, I'm always worried about like what's next. And sometimes you just have to let it happen and have faith in your ability, your experience, your network, uh, the universe that it's going to be okay. But, um, that's one thing. The other thing that I would say is good job on saying yes to a lot of different things because i was so envious of friends of mine in college who were like i want to be a dental hygienist and like i'm going to go to school and then i'm going to do this and i'm going to have this path and then like four years i'm going to be my i'm going to be doing my job i was just like i don't know what i want to do and i would tell my younger self you don't have to know sometimes um, you follow the path and it takes you to where you're supposed to be. Um, and I was always really fixated on having this linear, like I'm going to be a doctor. So I do this, this, and this, and then I become a doctor. Like I always craved that kind of, um, roadmap and I never had it. And, uh, it was fine anyway. So that's what I would tell my, my younger self.
0: So relief is that I haven't had the roadmap either and always kind of had that envy of my friends who knew what they wanted to be when they grew up when they were eight and like when right. they became that person and you know now they're retired or retiring or whatever and they've had that one path and mine has right. definitely been more uh more broad and varied and interesting you know I think I maybe always knew I wanted to become a writer but you also got to live to have anything to say and I know mean, I'm glad right. you, and maybe more through the blackberry bushes than out on the road,
1: but. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm thrilled. It's, it's so much, I think probably more fun and exciting this way. I agree.
0: I completely agree. Um,
1: well, what has fame taught you? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. And nobody's ever asked me that. Um, Hmm. Uh, gosh, what would I say to that? um, I think, um, I don't know. I think it's taught me graciousness and being open. Um, and some people would probably say the opposite and be like, I want to go hide in my bushes and like, you know, uh, behind a fence and not let anyone see me. But it's, um, for me, it's a very different experience because I became famous basically because of queer eye for the straight guy. And it's a very unique set of circumstances because the thing that I was probably most ashamed of or trained by society to be ashamed of was my sexuality and, um, and trying to hide it and, you know, and not be as, as flamboyant or as out, um, as I should have been. Um, that thing was the thing that actually became celebrated on cry for the straight guy, which was a real like mind trip. It was just like, wait a minute, like three years ago I was, you know, getting like, you know, called, a fag or something like at the mall. And now like three years later, people like, Oh my God, you're that guy from queer eye. And I was like, what is going on here? It's just, I've only just been on TV, but I'm the same person. So, um, it has. So to answer your question, that fame part has, um, taught me that, uh, people perceive you differently than perhaps you perceive yourself and that a thing that you think might be a flaw um, is actually something that a lot of people, um, admire and celebrate. So it really opened me up to, um, I think living more authentically and being more self-confident. So it was a real, um, blessing in that way. And I've heard, you know, other celebrities say like, oh, you know, fame is such a burden for me. Not really. Like, I think, um, it's helped me be more myself. And also, um, you get usually get a better table at a restaurant, you know? They're like, wait a minute, I know you right this way. We'd love having you at Arby's. And I would say, thank you. Well,
0: as as you navigated your life with like a lot of grace, um, I'm curious your journey of like now you've been on television a lot early for you. Um, did you ever get nervous? Did you d- develop rituals of how to handle now I'm gonna be on camera? Cause it sounds like with Ralph Lauren, you were, you know, on the other side of the camera.
1: Yeah. Honestly, it was, it's, um, you know, making that first show, uh, I remember our producers and our director gave us this like, um, visualization, visualization technique where they're like, you know, before you go on camera, imagine you're just like walking around a swimming pool and you're getting focused. And I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I was like, I can't pretend I, I don't even have a swimming pool. Um, so I would just, um, you know, my secret is just, um, be in the moment and I, I know it's easier to say than to do. Um, but the first series queer, I was so busy just working and doing what I do that I forgot about being on camera and that's the best way to be for someone like me. Who's I'm not an actor. I mean, it's on my resume, but I'm not very good at it. And, um, I'm just better when the cameras are rolling and I'm just being natural. And they sift through and they find the kernels that work. Um, but yeah, there were, it was more nerve wracking. I think when you had to do like live television, like, oh, we're going to be on the today show. And, you know, it's that the red light is blinking. And I kept thinking about like Cindy Brady when she went on the game show and, you know, couldn't, you know, couldn't remember the capital of Louisiana it was Baton Rouge. Um, so, but it hasn't um knock on wood i still get nervous and um i think actually i grew up showing horses and that was also like a high pressure like you work and work and work and work and work for like months and years and then you literally have like 3 minutes to like go and not mess up what you've been working on for forever so i i know that kind of um mental pressure and i think growing up showing horses and being like listen i've worked i've prepared I know what I'm doing. Um, and if it doesn't work out because of, you know, bad luck or whatever, I'm not going to die, probably. <laughs> um, so so I've, I've kept that kind of um, mantra in the back of my mind, even with TV. So um, the horse world and being in that environment has been helpful in so many different ways.
0: Oh, interesting. I grew up showing too. I was a hunter jumper and, you know, mostly in Southern California, but like mm-hmm. the incredible pressure. I had a trainer who was also really intense and even added pressure on right. the pressure. Um, yes. there were So many pieces of it that I really loved. Like when everything came together and you could relax into the moment and you just knew you were on and the horse mm-hmm. was on and you were just having the, the moment that was working. Like I lived for that feeling and it's a lot of work to be able to come to a place where it feels effortless there's so much work that goes into that
1: absolutely yeah and I think every great artist whether they're a singer or a dancer or if you're an athlete and an equestrian certainly is um you put in so many hours that people don't see um to make it look easy
0: Absolutely. It's so true. It is so true. So my audience is a lot of above the line creatives. They're writers, producers,
1: directors. A lot of them are just starting out. Do you have any advice for them? Um, My best piece of advice for showbiz um, in general, and it served me really well, I think, um, has been an attitude of saying yes. Um, and I will get offers to do something that sounds awful and maybe like an agent or something like, Oh, you don't need to do this or whatever. But I'm just like, Oh no, that sounds like fun. If it sounds like fun and they're going to pay me, I usually say yes. And so many times that has led to another opportunity that was really wonderful. For example, um, there was this show called skin wars And it was about body painting, and it was on the Game Show Network. And a friend of mine um, was working there and said, you should do this show. And it was like, you know, it wasn't much money. And I was like, I'm not really into body painting, but okay, it sounds kind of fun. And I remember I got there. It was shooting in Mar Vista at some beautiful studio. And they put me in my little dressing room. And there was one of those TVs that has a um, DVD player built into it. Um, like a one unit thing, like a boom box, but a little TV with a DVD player and all these movies like clueless and, um, legally blonde, all of my favorites. And uh, I was like, I wonder why that's there. And then they came in, they're like, we should get your lunch, um, and dinner order. I was like dinner. No. They said, I'm going to be done by 12. And I was like, I don't even want lunch. I said, well, just, you know, this is like at eight in the morning. And, um, they said, no, 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 you're going to be done at 12 tonight. And I was like, what? Um, so it really wasn't a good payday because I was there for like days. Oh, yeah. um, and um, uh, because you have to wait a long time till people body paint ten people to look like an aisle of a grocery store, and it takes forever. And they didn't want me to leave Mar Vista, so I was stuck there. But it was on that show, that uh, was hosted by Rebecca Romaine and RuPaul, who was a permanent judge on that show. And he said to me on that set, "Hey, why not? Why haven't you done my show?" And I said, "I would love to." And he said, "Let's make it happen." So that's where a I don't know eight year long relationship on RuPaul's Drag Race came from. A show that some people said, "Oh, don't you know you don't need to do that or whatever," um, or you know, I didn't think it was going to be like life changing, but it was in its own way. So um, say yes to those opportunities. And also, like relationships, relationships, relationships is so important. Um, show business is so small. Um, and you think it's this big giant world and like Paramount Pictures and NBC Universal, these giant companies. Um, but I find that I work with the same people all the time. And um, for good or for bad, like sometimes you're like, oh no, that person I don't like is now running, you know. All reality TV at Viacom, what um, or whatever you know. Sometimes, so be nice to everybody, have great relationships because people are always going to be you're going to run into them again. Is what I'm saying. Um, so um, it's always great to build great relationships. It's a very very small world, and um, I try not to burn any bridges. And I even if it's not a great experience, I say, well, we're gonna you know figure out how to learn from this and um, keep it positive because it is like I said, very, very small.
0: Absolutely. And that, that feeds back into your reputation, which is right. Which is so important.
1: Yeah. I think you always want to be, um, my mantra has been like, you know, do your homework and, you know, I kind of try to do everybody's job. Like if you show up and you're so prepared and you've kind of like done what the writer wanted you to do and you've done what the director wants you to do, or you've done what the producer wants to do, or you bring the ideas and say, oh, I'll help you produce this segment. If you make everybody's life easier, um, and we all know that showbiz is so hard and that you're there for like so many hours and everybody's doing probably more than they should be doing, especially now, um, if you can come in and be easy breezy and make everybody else's job easier you are like on set gold they're like literally calling your people before you leave like when can he come back um and i try to do that everywhere if i can
0: uh, being a giver like that. I've been teaching my students in the entertainment business school, the value of building those relationships, making friends. It can be intimidating mm-hmm. for some of them who are more introverted, like the writers to be like, wait a minute, half of my job is relationships. What are you talking about? And it's like, yeah, it's literally half yeah. your job.
1: <laughs> yes. I think that's more of an an important part than people realize. And I think young people especially think like, oh, I'm going to be a writer. So I just, you know, I'm going to be in my room at at home and I'm going to write great stories and I never have to really like relate to other people. No. Um, And the same- I just going to be a
0: broke writer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or like, um, I always thought, oh, it'd be great to be a realtor. You know, just show beautiful houses and I'm really into design. And then I had a partner who was a realtor and he was like, no, it's, you're basically have to go to like lions club meetings and church and like interact with your community and be the person everyone thinks of when they think real estate, you have to be such a relationship person. Um, and you're so right. It's the same in Hollywood and in the creative space. Um, it's a small world. We all know everybody and, um, having good people skills. I never like to schmooze. Like I, for me, it, Felt inauthentic, and I thought, "Oh, I, I shouldn't even be doing this. Like, I shouldn't go to parties or whatever when there were parties, um, and be out there." But and schmoozing sounds so like cheap and schmaltzy and bad. Um, but networking is a great word, and uh, it's so important um, to be out there, um, to be meeting people, and to be seeing people, and building a professional network. Uh, because you want to be top of mind, and when people are thinking, "Oh, I need a writer for this project," or "Oh, I need an actor," or, "Oh, I need a you know hair person," um, you want people to think of you, and you have to be out there for them to to make that connection.
0: Absolutely, and that mind share is small. Those lists can be mm-hmm. really small. So yeah, being top of mind is so key to working and and continuing to work and do doing what you love to do. Absolutely what
1: are you most passionate about right now right now um gosh um i feel like the pandemic and working in showbiz we're we're i'm just so happy to work you know when there are opportunities and it's like oh um you're going to do this series you're going to do that i'm just like praise the lord i'm just happy that we're filming <laughs> no doubt <laughs> so i feel like i haven't gotten to the luxury level of like what would i love to do but i I think I'm most passionate about um, about design, and I feel like I always have been. But I'm really. I think even the pandemic, maybe part of it, is that I'm really focused on home and um, making it nice, as Dorinda would say, and um, creating beautiful spaces where people can live and work. And I've dabbled in interior design before, and I did a show on Bravo uh, with Tom Felicia called get a room. And, uh, I really loved that. So I'm just really into interior design right now. And I would love to parlay that perhaps into another, um, television opportunity, um, where I can, you know, um, be designing things and creating. I love that experience of like taking nothing and turning it into something beautiful. Um, that's like very fulfilling for me. Um, so I, I want to do more of that.
0: Love that. I hear you love antiquing. Is that a piece
1: of it? Um, Yeah. I mean, I love collecting and I love treasure hunting. Um, And I just think, you know, antiques have so many stories and layers and patina. And old stuff is generally so much better than, like, you know, stuff that's made today uh, when it comes to furniture and lighting and uh, rugs and all that stuff. So, yeah, I love it. There's, um, There's a couple big antique fairs, Uh, Round Top, Texas is one of them. And I was doing a show for Food Network called Barbecue Brawl, second season coming out in May. And um, I got to go to Round Top because it was kind of not far from Austin where we were filming. And uh, I went like every day for like any day that I wasn't working. They were like, where were you? I was like, oh, I was at the antiques fair again. And we were kind of like not supposed to like be out and about that much. But I was like, it's outside. Um, it's very healthy and, um, I just lived for it and, uh, every once in a while, I'm just like, maybe I should open my own online antiques business. And they're like, no, you have to pack that stuff and bubble wrap it and send it to people. And I hate sending stuff. Like, I don't know how sending stuff really works. I, you know, going to UPS is like boggles my mind. I don't know how they come and get it. Like who you call, like, it's not that complicated, but I'm not good at shipping. Yeah. Maybe that business is not the right one. <laughs> Probably not. I need a helper. You need a helper. You need all the helpers.
0: What, yeah. did, what, did you, what, kind of, what kind of things did you find when you were at the antique fair there?
1: Well, um, I tell me what I... you fell in love with. I do love gift giving and I think um, I love giving things that people I think are going to be delighted by. And RuPaul has actually told me, he's like, you're the best gift gift giver. And I said, Oh, I really enjoy giving gifts. And um, one of the things I found at Roundtop, which I highly recommend if anybody's into it, you, it's a must to go spring or fall and you can look them up at like Roundtop antiques or something. But this past time I found um, there was a woman there who sold only like 1950s, 30s, 40s, and 50s vintage barware. So like she had, you know, beautiful like ice bucket that said like the 19th hole on it and then like glasses, highball glasses that all had golfers on it and very, very cute. So whatever you're into. Well, she also had one that was all antique. It was like a 1950s racehorse theme. So it had like sea biscuit and famous horses on it. It was very stylized. And Bobby Flay, who I was doing the show with at the time is really into horse racing and has a couple race horses. And, um, so I got that for him as like a, you know, rap gift. And he was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. It's so personal and beautiful. Uh, because he also likes a cocktail or two. So it was very well suited. So I got that. And then I also love like repurposed clothing and they were vintage army jackets, which are very cool. But this woman um, who was an artist, she had taken pieces of Hermes scarves and put them, applicate them onto the back or onto the cups. And I just thought they were the greatest thing ever. So I got one of those. That's so you. I
0: remember you used to do that on Queer Eye where you would like go into someone's wardrobe, find a piece that was like really personal to them. And then you would, you know, maybe put it into the back of a jacket and it was.
1: Right. Yeah, I would totally do that. Or maybe like create a bedspread out of like football jerseys that people shouldn't be wearing, but you can do (laughs) other things with. Um, So I got that. I usually get things that are, you know, um, either gifts for other people uh rarely i will buy furniture and it's easier to ship it than you would think um so that was a phobia i got past. and then sometimes i'll just buy um a souvenir and it could be you know like a cocktail shaker or a, i got some mint julep glasses that had my monogram like just a k on them which i thought were great and i always think about the trip and i think about making that show and all the fun times we had on set so um there's a lot of fun things um, that antiquing can bring besides just, you know, stuff for your house.
0: Yeah, I love that, especially for giving gifts. They, it's, it's always nice to do something unique for people in an industry that's like, oh, another fruit basket, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, something different. Um, so in my school, one of the things that I teach my students is how to gather a wolf pack like the people who are closest to you, who you trust, who you can talk to, who you can bounce ideas off of, often other industry professionals, who would you say is in your wolf pack right now?
1: Oh, wow. That's a great, um, great idea and great question. Well, I have um, in my wolf pack, I have like my couple of best friends that I've had um, since moving to New York in 1991. You kind of, it's miraculous and I don't know how it happens, but it's, It's been my experience, and I've heard from others that you just kind of find your people within the first like six months or so. And I think in New York we're all so smushed together that you find your people a little faster than maybe you find them in LA, where you're a little bit more separated and in your car. So I have some of the OGs, um, uh, my best friends that you know I grew up with, like two or three, and literally I'd be like, "Oh, they asked me to do this project. What do you think?" And um, they're just good even though they're not in the industry they they know me really well um and they're just candid advice givers and that's great uh and then i would say you know people i did um uh queer eye with tom felicia we still do a lot of work together so he's a great sounding board and has great business acumen and great taste um i've had the same manager for about uh i don't know 25 years and um, that's a very, like simpatico relationship where like he understands me, I understand him. We have a great shorthand, and um so he's definitely in there. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, so a couple of agents um, and mostly, you know, just good friends who know me more than they know the industry. that makes a lot
0: of sense. Those people you trust and you have history, and it goes back right. It's
1: meaningful.
0: Yeah, the industry can make you, you know, can be distortive, I guess, you know, that lens of like, what's happening and then COVID on top of it. I've had a right. lot of like being turned around a few times and, you know, some of my closest friends go back many, many decades, even to my childhood and reaching out and going like, hey, what's happening for you? Like one of my closest friends was a rigger in New York forever for his whole mm-hmm. career. you know lifting pianos up and down the sides of buildings and like he's the most real person my friend jack and i know i can always get a read on reality
1: talking to him right yeah it's, yeah it's good to have people um um sharon stone who um uh is a friend-ish um she said a great quote one time and i don't know if it was in her book which is actually really amazing the book was really Uh, amazing the whole where she had the uh,
0: stroke, and
1: oh my god her memoir was incredible it's such a great book for anybody showbiz or not it's like such so many great life lessons in that book um but i think she had said this like much earlier like Always um, stay friends with the people you split a pizza with. You know, when you all had to pool your money to come up with your nine dollars or whatever, um, those are your diehards. And I've really taken that to heart. And I'm, I'm really just mostly friends with all of my um, close people. You know, from the early days in New York.
0: I love that. Isn't she also from Pennsylvania?
1: She is. Yeah, she's from Meadville, um, which is in the western part of PA. But I always remind her that we're both. You know. Glamorous, gorgeous products of Pennsylvania.
0: I love that. I worked for Gary Shanling for a couple of years, and I know I don't. I didn't. Wow. Sure I know that they were really close and yeah, spoke really fondly wow. of one another.
1: Yeah, how cool! Gary Shanling was like just such a genius.
0: Totally. I mean, absolutely. He was the first person who ever thought I was funny. Yeah, I grew up in a family that really, really loved me. But right. Necessarily connect to my sense of humor, so just had like no idea, and I'd hang out with Gary and tease him and crack a joke and he'd be like, "Like you're really funny. You should develop that." And it was right mind blowing. I was like, "What? You can develop that? You know?" It was right. a concept that I didn't even really understand, but got into writing more comedy and and learning how to write comedy and everything. Right. Amazing. <laughs> Oh, it's good experiences. So, okay, I want to give you a magic wand, and you can do anything you want from here on. What's the next thing in front of you?
1: Oh, like career-wise, I can do anything? Anything. Um, Well, I do have, um, uh, I think this might have been also pandemic-related, but I've been reading a lot, and I have a couple great um, books that I've read that are um, non-traditional romances, you know, maybe like, uh gay love stories, et cetera. And I just thought they were so great and wonderful. So I'm going to option them and I would love to produce them. Um uh, maybe you can help me write them. Oh, but yeah. I think more of that I, I love to create. And sometimes when you're on camera, you don't feel like you're creating as much. You're just there doing your thing. You're kind of, you know, Just there that day, but I think um, writing and producing one of these uh, movies would be incredible. And I, you know, I don't really. I don't need to win an Oscar or anything. I just want to be on like a Hallmark, you know, Christmas movie um, marathon because I've been in some of those and they're super fun to make.
0: One of my friends um, is a Hallmark development exec. And she said that they're now more open to LGBT mm. stories and to BIPOC stories. And I'm
1: I'm so proud of them for opening up. (laughs) We might have to package something. Um, You can write and I'll produce and, and, uh, uh, I don't know what right as well, and um, we'll sell it to Hallmark. See, it's one of those moments where you say yes to something and it leads to something else
0: to happen. I mean, we need those stories on screen. Our community, yeah, absolutely, have enough of them, and they it should be on the mainstream channel like that. Even as I I'm agree. pitching stuff, there's always there's kind of even still a sense of like, oh well, maybe you should do that on YouTube or somewhere that's you know not right. on stream. And it's like, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> We've had, yeah, no you know black lives matter and me too and it's you know it's time to open up the storytelling you know
1: I, I i feel really passionately about that absolutely because um that's what's on in homes across america and the heartland and you know i have the hallmark channel on like all like from thanksgiving to oh my like my god me too and, and on I, my television all the time yes, and i and always
0: like feel so good walking in and out of the room even if i'm not watching yes. it it's like oh, yeah no i don't even happening. watch
1: that much I catch a glimpse of Lacey Chabert in like a knit hat. Mm -hmm. And she's just met a guy that's obviously a prince of a small country. Um, And I think, you know, little kids are watching this all over the country with their families. Like, and if they never see themselves, they would think, well, is what, where am I? Um, So uh, I think more inclusion in that space would be really, really impactful, actually. You know, you don't have to, You don't have to be always, um, wow, it's great. You can be a little more subversive with your activism and and find these little places where um, you can make things better.
0: Absolutely. Maybe just a little spinach sprinkled in the popcorn, right? Right. Exactly. Oh, I love that. You're so awesome. I've loved having you as a guest on the show. Thank you so much for being here. You want to share with everybody what they can watch right now, where they can see you, what's happening?
1: yeah we have a very new and exciting season of rupaul's drag race it's on every friday night at eight on vh1 and um there's some other exciting things happening with that franchise that i can't yet say but stay tuned and and, um follow me on instagram at carson kressley or twitter all of the socials at carson kressley and then in the spring another season of barbecue brawl on food network and um, also, something big coming up um, on network TV that I can't say, but it's v- happening very soon. So um, l- look for me on one of the big three um, in February.
0: Oh, exciting. Well, that's awesome. Well, be sure to follow Carson and get his book, too. I love your book. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. You can get it on Amazon. Thanks, everyone.
1: Bye thank you for tuning in to this episode of entertainment business wisdom we invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode please like review and share it with your friends and colleagues kaya alexander can be reached on twitter for your questions or comments at this is kaya Get entertainment business career training, as well as a free special report, how to pitch anything in one minute at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Thank you.